a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Yo, so I... Oh my god, I gave myself a generous pour of whiskey tonight. I'm looking at my glass, you guys. Easy double. At least Ooh, easy double. All right. I like uh, th- it. This is a lot of whiskey. I did not mean to, but I mean, it's kind of appropriate. Well, here we this. go. We're just launching then whiskey in the glass. Yes, indeed. Whiskey, whiskey in, the in glass. our whiskey in our glass. That's true. Too. We are drinking whiskey tonight as well. <laughs> oh, you know what? For the first time on the whiskey bench. The three of us we're just, are drinking we're whiskey just, together. You, well, yes, and we're just going to get straight into it. Mm. The drink tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Do it. We are having ourselves some whiskey sours. Two ounces of bourbon. Three quarters. No, I'm sorry. Half an ounce of sugar. Three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. With an egg white. Shaken. Without ice. To start. It's called a dry shake. Then I added some small ice cubes and one large ice cubes. (laughs) (laughs) Plural. uh, Did you hear that? A plural single ice cube? Yeah. One large ice cube and then shook it again for like 35, 45 seconds and then strained it into a coupe. And it's just a beautiful, tart, frothy, tasty drink. And you did a little bit of artwork with the I bitters. Did I put a little aromatic bitters on the top, and then with a straw, kind of did a little uh, flicking of the wrists and made a little pattern on the top. And very nice. It's like latte art, but whiskey sours. Kind of. It's like the <laughs> the dabbing art or whatever you call it. So yeah, it's great, silky smooth. Well Quite done. Tasty. Well done. Uh, as normal. As per usual, it's Lagavulin neat for me. A generous pour of Lagavulin tonight, fam. Into it. Hey, so I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but it turns out my neighbor is a literal vacuum salesman. I did see I this. only <laughs> glimpsed. I saw something about it and I was like, huh, what would I do or think? And well, let me tell you what I did. It's funnier that it's actually <laughs> true. Did you let him in your house? Yeah, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So did you, try, did you buy a vacuum? It was hell no. I did not. <laughs> you know? Did he try to sell you a vacuum? Oh yeah, he tried very hard. Oh um, no. good lord! <laughs> and there was only a there's a, you know there's only so much pity you can have on a <laughs> pyramid scheme salesman. Um, <laughs> but my pity does not equate to the uh, the three thousand dollar price tag he was trying to oh my get me God. into this. What can I do to get you into this vacuum today? And I was like, dude, I paid less for my latest car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With cash. Come you should on. Just, next time you should just like 
counter his offer by like trying to sell him stuff just like random shit in your uh, house. <laughs> you know? this is a <laughs> how about this lamp <laughs> right this is a new couch do you want it oh uh, okay I, hear me out here though what is more like n- normal people than having a vacuum salesman on your podcast yeah it was oh. i mean I mean, how did he get into this pyramid scheme? There's usually a good story to yeah. how people get to that point well, in their lives. You know, you here's the thing is I'm convinced that I'm the first person he made the pitch to. Like <laughs> Oh, he's a new, he's a green in the course of talking <laughs> to him. Okay, so here's the thing is like I was doing dishes, picture it, I'm doing dishes by hand cuz I'm a fancy boy and also my dishwasher is shit and i need to replace it um <laughs> so i'm doing dishes by hand sink full of soap sink full of water for rinsing and all that i'm wearing an apron which is white with big purple pockets and like purple floral mm-hmm. all over it this now is, dixie's tweet makes sense yeah. yeah this is this is my dandy boy look um and i hear the doorbell ring and knock like he's not he's two hands he's trying Aggressive. to get in my house right Oh, trying to get into your house. At the same time, he's knocking and ringing? Yes. 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 And and he's peeking like through the little (laughs) window pane in the door. And you opened the door? No, he didn't open it, but both hands- No, no, you opened it though? I would have met him at the door with a gun. No, but I- Well, that's fun. That's fun. Good segue there, my friend. Sorry. But we can't go there yet. (laughs) So here's the thing is I recognize him and I'm like, hey, that's my, he's crazy tall. It's not like he's like hopping to look through the window. He's insanely tall. And I'm like, hey, that's my neighbor. I've been meaning to meet him. Like, so I open the door, right? And he shakes my hand. He's like, Hey, I'm not going to say his name, but like <laughs> he introduces Don't himself. Don't dox the vacuum, man. <laughs> he introduces himself. We start talking and I'm like, dude, it's so good to meet you. I've been meaning to meet you. Like you and your girlfriend live over there. Me and my wife live over here. Pretty neat, right? And then like, and then, <laughs> and then he does that thing where he like puts one step like foot up on the threshold. And I was like, oh, this is, oh, no. oh this is weird. <laughs> Like he's preparing to enter. Yeah, into yeah, pretty much. And uh, I mean, I'm a nice guy, and I'm kind of I'm just a pushover if I'm gonna be blunt about it. Um, so like I literally invited him in. I was like, yeah, like welcome in. Like let's let's chat a little bit. And then like, and then all of a sudden we're talking about vacuums, and then he's like, <laughs> I have one he on the porch. You Do in. you want it? He did. Like he oh! freaking. <laughs> And uh, I, okay, I'm, there are a lot of things happening here. Part of it was like, uh, he was like, man, it's been a weird day. And like, I need to be able to prove to my boss that I've done this at least once. So I'm like, okay, I'll help my neighbor out, which of course is the wrong choice, Henning. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a therapy session. Yeah. But he, yeah, I know. I'm doing all the talking. It's so good. But he, so he brings in the box. And there's like this Lego set of a vacuum that he has to put together. And it's obvious he's only put it together like once in training. Turns out he literally finished training yesterday. (laughs) So we're talking. They say a sucker's born every minute, right? No. (laughs) And maybe that's him. It was definitely me. I'm still wearing the apron. I have like a dish towel over my shoulder. Right. Um, And but like, I don't know. I, I was trying to make the best of it. I'm like, 
okay, maybe help my neighbor out. Maybe he's lying to me, whatever. But I, I used the opportunity to get to know him. I implied, not implied, I employed some of my famous no normal people questions and just like tried to get to know him as he's like demoing this vacuum with a bunch of like cartridges trying to show me how much dust is still in there even though I vacuumed like two days ago which admittedly it was bad but part of me the whole time was thinking like (laughs) all that dirt's already in the vacuum right like (laughs) (laughs) you're do it again yeah um (laughs) so like he's 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 doing his thing we're talking I'm getting to know him um which I know something about this guy now I at least have that and then I turn around because I'm like I, f- I was finishing drying a stack of dishes. I put the dishes back and I come out and he's like, is it okay if I do this? And he has this can and I'm like, what's that? And then he tips it before I give consent and he dumps baking soda all over my carpet. <laughs> oh my God. And he's like, this is part of the presentation. Don't worry. And then he literally like starts jumping in my house, like stomping the baking soda into Are the you- carpet. <laughs> I would have lost my shit at that point. <laughs> And I'm watching it and like these these like plumes of like really fine baking soda dust are like flying into my bookshelves right next to where he dumped the shit. And I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, no, no, let me prove it. So he starts vacuuming it up like with the black cartridges that are like, right. He's been using white cartridges to find all the, the dust, like the real dust. And then he dumps all this white baking soda and then he's using the black cartridges to prove how much like baking soda is actually coming up through the vacuum or whatever. So to his credit, he did clean up after I had to dust my bookshelves, but he did clean up, clean up after himself. <laughs> There's no evidence of baking soda left in the carpet. And then like, and then he's trying to give me this whole spiel about how I can, I can start doing like payments if I really want to get this vacuum. And he's like, <laughs> And you can pay it off in four years. Well, and the whole time he's like glancing down like at his script that he set on my coffee table. Oh my god. <laughs> and then he pulls the just just for record, I have to take pictures. So he takes pictures of all the cartridges he laid out on the floor. And then he takes like a selfie with me. And then he's like, Oh, I also need to call my boss. Like like What? I was like, Oh my god, dude. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so like he calls his boss and he's like, Yeah, I got this guy. This what okay. This is the other thing is he kept, he's like, where's your wife? I know she lives here with you. And I'm like, yeah, obviously she lives here with me. But um, she was upstairs. I told him she was just out. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. he's, so he's like, well, oh, when is she going to come home? And I'm like, I don't know. She went out. And like, <laughs> oh my God. And Dixie, was she just listening? Yes, up, like, she at was the top listening the, the whole time. And she was thing. just like, my husband is a fucking rube. <laughs> no, no. Um, so he calls his boss. You're saying though. no, but I feel like you, she's been roasting you at least. <laughs> no. For now and the next week. Well, <laughs> we will return to this part of the story. But so he calls his boss. He's like, yeah, he, he seems to be really into it. He's liking it. Um, his wife is out, though. So I'll probably have to come back next week. And I'm like, visibly shaking my head at him as he's saying that and he's just like just go with it it's cool and he's he's oh like he's like if i if i get a chance to show her the magic she'll have to talk him oh into it and i'm like you don't first of all you don't know me you don't know my wife like my wife is a freaking like <laughs> 
she would roast your ass right now. I'm way too nice. I'm way yeah. too nice of a nice guy. Uh, so like he's just going off with his boss and he's like, yeah, well, maybe I'll just check in next week. And so he stands up and he's like, so here's the deal. He's like, I can credit you a bunch of stuff if you sell your current vacuum to me. Like I can credit you that money toward like taking it off your bill. And I'm like, I'm throwing every thing I have at him. Like, dude, I don't have a credit score. I can't make payments. I don't make huge fucking financial decisions without my wife because like <laughs> Yeah, like a three thousand dollar vacuum. Ta- we talk insane. together if we're gonna spend more than a hundred dollars. Like we make a decision like that together. And he's like, Oh, perfect. I'll come back. I'm like, no, I'm just gonna be honest with you, man. I'm not in the market for a new vacuum. And even if I was, this is not the one I want. <laughs> and he's like, Good for you. Oh. Okay. So like he like he gets the like the sad boy dejected vibe right and he just starts packing up and okay first of all i do have to say the sad boy thing was not working on me but i was trying to make it less awkward so like i'm continuing to chat him up about his life and all this again no details but i actually do know my neighbor now you guys in a very well, intimate you know way. your neighbor. Um, yeah, you were saying you wanted a neighbor who you could be friends with. I don't. I don't. Th- I'm the vacuum guy. I don't think he's gonna be that guy, but I know him. You know, like I could borrow a cup of sugar from him. The classic move. He'd so dump it all over your floor. Yeah. So yes, <laughs> and he could vacuum it. He could clean it up so good. You guys. Oh my god. Um. So <laughs> I go upstairs. Dixie's been upstairs the whole time, listening to the whole thing. I go upstairs. Also, it's like. 80, 90 minutes later, by the way. Oh, I was gonna say, oh my is God. this a 30 minute interaction? Gotcha. Yeah. That's insane. So I, I go upstairs. She's, she's sitting on her iPad. She's doing some artwork and stuff. And I, she looks at me and I just go, I don't want to hear it. Like I see the look in your eyes and just know that I already feel that probably times three. I said, you are not allowed to say anything to me to my face. You may roast me as much as you want on Twitter, though. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's why it got taken to Twitter. <laughs> that is exactly why. Oh, that's hilarious. So hmm, here's what I'm getting out of this story. When you're at home in your house doing the dishes. Wear aprons. Purple apron. Yep. Make sure that you at least do it only wearing underwear mm. with your apron over top. Mm-hmm. So then when you open the door and then turn around to walk back to the kitchen. He has to really think about coming into the yeah. house. Yeah. Right. Because you're almost butt-ass naked. We're doing a That's little, a like, magic mic for him at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Give him I a could elicit the wrong response. Val Kilmer like, dance. Right. Val Kilmer. That's not the guy. Is it? Val uh, Kilmer. I have no Was idea. Was he in Magic Mike? About, I've never seen Magic Mike. Okay. Nor have I, but I know I it's think about Val, firemen. Val Kilmer's Vin Diesel, right? Or no, those are... No, Vin Diesel's Vin Diesel. What? No, Val Kilmer and Vin Diesel are two distinct human beings. One, in my mind, they're all one person. I don't know. Fast and Furious or something. Um, I think what I'm getting from this story is you need to figure out who the fucking who sits at the top of this vacuum pyramid scheme. Oh, you gotta meet that guy. Who's this boss he's calling? I heard all about this. He's boss. gotta be like the slimiest no, dude. I heard all about this guy. This okay. So my neighbor was giving me the whole spiel. He's like, this guy. He lives so high on the hog. Like he's so rich and he does whatever he wants. And he's like, and that's really what all of us want in life. And I'm just like, what? 
<laughs> that is. He probably drives a Jeep truck. Maybe. Oh. Or he drives one of the new Tesla trucks. That might be the, <laughs> the move. One of those uh, Minecraft Cyber mistakes on wheels. Um, I just feel like the Jeep trucks are like the only other one I've ever seen toolie. around town. Yeah. Is driven by this guy who owns a few apartments. And I went and looked at one of his apartments and quickly decided I would never live anywhere with oh, this guy managed. That sounds like you have a lord. But he was just like, he was just kind of like a sleazy dude that you could tell like was flashy but didn't actually have money. Yeah. You know, like that type. Well, That's what this And at this point, it sounds, sounds like, like you have a much better landlord. She sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. My place is sick. But so, no one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was an experience. <laughs> Sounds like it. Man. Well, you know your neighbor. I do. Now I can officially say I know all my neighbors in this little townhouse complex that we live in. Very cool. You have three neighbors? Uh, or three? Uh, there are six yeah. units to our Whoa. building. I'm on the, so you have five neighbors? I'm on the end, so I have five neighbors. Yep. Dang. Hmm. It's a good setup. I like my neighbors. Uh, we have a quirky bunch is what we have, you know? Um, we should all get drunk and have like a barbecue together. Oh, my God. <laughs> See what happens. Everyone buys a vacuum cleaner. Well, <laughs> so, so here is here is one thing I learned about my neighbor is he is proudly four months sober. Oh, um, okay. So like he's getting after it. That's pretty cool. Oh, Honestly, yes. So like... Like I said, I learned real things about my neighbor, you guys. And in the process, he tried to sell me a car for a vacuum. <laughs> At one point, like he had he'd pulled out like the pricing sheet and he's like, if your payment was this much, much a month, like you would pay it off in this time. And I like under my breath, I literally said, like, yeah, I know how amortization tables work. <laughs> <laughs> like the nerdiest thing I could have said. And he's like. Yeah, and if you if you decide to buy within the week, like you're really gonna be helping me out because my company is gonna give me like a vacation to Colorado Springs. What? <laughs> the whole thing is totally bizarre. I was like, Holy moly! What is, is this? Is this Scientology? Yeah, probably. Maybe, is. maybe. Yeah, his oh, boss is Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom, I got this so he's guy calling on the phone. Yeah. For all I know. Vin Diesel. My neighbor like, talked. Tom, I really roped this guy in. For all I know, my neighbor talked to Tom Cruise about me. So that's fun. There you go. <laughs> um. Oh. Yeah. So that's that. I would not, however, have dreamed of meeting a neighbor at the door with a gun. Cat. What a bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Well, if someone was that aggressive, you know. It doesn't hurt to he be like, was, hey. He was clearly nervous is what he was. Oh, all right. Gotcha. All right. I mean, we're talking day, daytime. Yeah. He knew it was his neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right. even that, though. Which doesn't mean anything. Even, <laughs> even that, though, was, it felt awfully close to, like, don't shit where you eat. You know, like, you really uh, want to yes. start your relationship with a new neighbor by trying to sell him a vacuum? <laughs> How old is this person? That was my other question. Uh, he just turned 31. 31. Oh, okay. right. He should probably know yeah. better. You know, I... But... but. Although, at the same time, man, I gotta... 
if he's four months sober, you just, you don't know. You don't know what's going on in people's mm-hmm. lives. That's fair. He's probably, I mean. He is pretty he's personable. He's doing the best he can. Yeah. We did, like God I said. God bless him. I learned, I learned things about him. We did talk. That's sweet. So, it was a good time. It was a great time. But I, <laughs> I won't be defending my home with guns against vacuum salesmen. I might put a no solicitor sign up eventually, but like. <laughs> that's, that's reasonable. That's maybe passive aggressive, but kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, no, that's the thing though. It's like two of my neighbors have signs. No vacuum solicitors. No, two of my neighbors have no solicitor signs on their door. That's probably for that reason. Or no, he but just. But it's not because of him so though. That's him. the thing is yeah. like. If I just put Maybe it up this weekend, that I would be like, I would basically be like, hey, neighbor, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever come back over Like, here. that doesn't feel helpful for our neighborly relationship. No, yeah. I don't think so. Probably Problematic. Not. But if he does come back, I'm going to be like, look, dude, we don't want to do that. But we'll sit out on the back porch, like in the back lawn of our building and hang out if you want. Mm-hmm. Vacuums yeah. are off topic. Like. Off no vacuums. Not allowed to discuss vacuums Off limits. in the Henning house. Yeah. <laughs> here's the th- mm. here's the thing though is like I actually do need to replace my vacuum, but I'm oh no my max budget is maybe like a hundred and fifty dollars. So I feel like that's like cost, good luck Costco. finding not three thousand though. Yeah. No, three thousand is insane, but vacuums are absurdly think, expensive. I'm trying to think of vacuum. I mean, you can get really cheap ones like we did, but I feel like a Costco vacuum. It's probably what, like two fifty? Probably for like a like a. Does it work? I'm a, well. I've uh, always been too cheap, and I don't have a vacuum because. Oh, you don't have a vacuum. I just sweep. You just. Sweep. Oh, I guess you have you you have the ability to just sweep. Yeah, my whole place is nice carpet right now. At least until we replace <laughs> flooring, I have carpet in every room except the kitchen. So. <clears throat> Sweeping won't work then. No, no. <laughs> that would be messy. And if I'm honest, I prefer vacuuming as a chore to sweeping and mopping. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. at $3,000, I feel like you need a notarized title of ownership for that Think vacuum. about how long you could hire someone to come vacuum your house. <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. That's like several months worth of uh, I service, bet. I bet. I bet that th- you could have someone clean your house like maybe three hours a week mm-hmm. for two years for $3,000. What? I bet, I bet what? I bet a cleaner charges 40 to $50 an hour. That'd be my guess. I don't know these markets, you know, got to think, you know, <laughs> I'm just not entirely have sure. Come one, one year of, of every other month. <laughs> No, I'm thinking like every week. Whose house is that dirty? I know people that have their house clean like every week. Really? Well, I mean, I and they'll just come I clean in. my house every. But the week. thing is, is well, exactly. But you keep up with it, so they just come in for like an hour once a week, right? Or thirty minutes once a week, and I guess I'm you're not spring cleaning. I'm neurotic, and I live alone, so I my yeah. place is never dirty. <laughs> I guess. Oh, <laughs> someday I will definitely have a cleaner. Yeah, like if it's in the wheelhouse of being, you know. Something that I can afford. My brother has cleaners, but he says that they always break things. Oh. <laughs> People who come that's in why you gotta that he hired, f- like, constantly knock shit over. Find someone you know <laughs> yeah. and trust. I'd and be good at that. I should start my own cleaning business. Y- if you would like to do that, like, I bet tomorrow 
you could probably make 50 bucks an hour. In this economy? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you, <stupid> you, joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Definitely make $30 an hour, and then maybe on some new construction stuff, you could be making like 50 Well, wow. That's pretty go. darn good. You, and especially yeah. with new construction, mm. you're not cleaning toilets. It's like you're vacuuming and sweeping and cleaning windows. It's awesome. You know what I would do? Well, I can do the gross stuff. I grew up in like a... Yeah, but why do the gross stuff when you get paid house. more to do than that gross stuff? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Dirty jobs or whatever. Isn't that a whole show? Yeah. Look at that. It is. Mike Rowe. I like Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe and James May are my two celebrity crushes. Oh. Wow, you have a type. Now, I, I have a podcast. James May of Top Gear UK. <laughs> I have a podcast that Henning might actually really like. You might have already listened to it. Uh, you ever listen to Mike Rose podcast? The way I heard it. No, I've tried it. Yeah, not into not it for me. No. Okay, it's just like a little five minute story about someone in history, and oh. generally it's someone that has a story that's similar to someone famous that you might be familiar with, and you're like, I know who this is, but he doesn't tell you who it is till the end. And you're like, he's talking about fill in the blank. He's talking about Val Kilmer, Billy and Mays. Vin Diesel, <laughs> Vin Diesel, <laughs> Vince. Kilmer. <laughs> Vince Kilmer and Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh, Lord of Val Mercy. Diesel we're off Kilmer. Topic. Whatever. We're not on we've topic. We've never had yet. a topic. No, we've, we've never, we're not, you know. That's true. Well, while we're meandering, I wanted to just comment on a couple of items from last week's episode. Oh, yeah. If I may. One, sorry for being so sweary. Oh, what? I came out the gate. I dropped. Ton of f bombs. <laughs> this is why, guys. Every time I'm editing, I have to click the little explicit button so the people know. Although I've definitely forgotten on a few episodes. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't mark this as explicit, and it is definitely yeah. oops, explicit. I guess I blame it on this cold that I'm still recovering oh, from. Damn, it's obnoxious. Damn. Well, blame it on the huge ass mint julep that had like four ounces of bourbon in and it, and the big mint julep. <laughs> So I apologize for swearing so I mean, much. Kat, I mean, I like saying replay the last twenty minutes of me talking about <laughs> fucking vacuums, man. It's my turn this fucking episode. Fucking vacuums. That's true. Yeah, what are we at? Like five or six already? That's, that's yeah. Is there a counter? <laughs> this podcast has gone to zero days without a fuck word. Yeah. <laughs> we should do that. Be fun. Um, Secondly, I'm sorry. Yes. So sweared a lot. I guess I was kind of angry too. Um, I got a couple stats wrong, which is not cool. So I wanted to correct those. So one, when we were talking about like China's share of like the global rare earth mining industry, mm-hmm. um, they used to control 97% of global share as of 2010. And it has gone down as I mentioned, but um, lower than I thought, 63% as of 2019 oh, is sweet. China's global share. They do, as I believe I correctly stated in the episode, control 80% of the rare earth refining process. Mm. So they're still like deeply embedded wow. in the whole thing. Yeah. And 63% is a lot. And then the other point that like, we didn't really, I didn't f- like, I don't think provide enough um, detail on, which I think is just worth noting is sort of like what the current U S grid energy energy grid mix is like made of 
um, are comprised of. And so I thought that was worth sharing. So renewables like solar and wind make up about 12%. These numbers are as of 2020. Mm -hmm. So pretty recent. Um, Solar represents 3.3%. Wind represents 8.3%. And then hydro um, represents roughly 13. So together it's like 20% of the grid is quote unquote renewable. Nuclear makes up another 20%. And then the rest is comprised of coal and natural gas. Mm -hmm. I thought that was an important point to clarify. And lastly, when Henning, you were asking about the regulation that impedes uh, nuclear one, there's a ton and it's like not worth trying to go through and explain what they all are. But I did find a helpful uh, resource. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission is what like regulates that industry. And on their website, they have like an exhaustive list of all of the current regulation that's in place. So anyways, if we want to like maybe add that to the show notes, if people are interested, mm, that'd be great. They can go there. Totally. So anyways, that's my little, sorry guys for being so uh, angry and scattered. That's great. <laughs> uh, I got a random question about potentially posting sources on Instagram. Do you guys know how to like get a story with a link that you can actually go like to? Like a swipe up? You have to have over 10,000 yep. followers. Frick! <laughs> yeah, I know. That swipe up feature doesn't work. Because there's like some random dude I follow that... I guess he's got like 20,000 followers, but he's like just some dude. Yeah. Well, what I do for Perk, because we're still growing our Uh, audience, is I'll just say like, I just have everything in our link tree, you know? So I'll do story posts mm, and just encourage people like say links in the bio. Yeah, spam the link in bio. (sighs) Yeah. That's really frustrating. I know. It's a bummer. You got to cross that threshold, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, hey, we're on our road to 100. There you go. Yeah, we're all we're close. <laughs> Here we go. Well, why don't <laughs> why don't we take a break here, real quick? We'll hear about the brand new show, by the way, that's on the Highline Network, the Into Podcast, and then when we come back, we'll crack into Second Amendment all proper, like. Yeah, I think so. Into it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that's exactly why they named it that. Yes. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The N2 Podcast. We can only view it like through the context, like of what we were raised in, the religion that we were handed, and trying to make sense of it all. But basically, the only thing that's originally Kevin right now is his brain. Is he a human or a robot? Is he Kevin or not Kevin? Every time we have certain conversations, I immediately know that I feel, but not why I feel. And now, back to our conversation. Okay, so I wanted to bring to the the bench this week, I think it's high time we talk Second Amendment. It's high noon 
right because we've mentioned it like five times yeah and we're like we're gonna we're it's gonna time. get to it and mm-hmm. to be honest to it. it's been something on my mind for quite a while i don't i don't cat i don't know if you've caught the episode we did on ravel about nonviolence um that torna and i referenced a couple weeks ago but so like on ravel we were thinking about the spiritual implications to like defending your home or taking taking life from like a christian perspective so people can listen to that I also just recently had a guest on No Normal People. His name is Jeff Hall, and he's written a trilogy of books all exploring the concept of nonviolence, kind of inspired by the White Rose movement within Germany during Hitler's uh, reign of power. So I've been thinking about nonviolence a lot, and I've been thinking about guns a lot. So I thought it was time that we brought it to the bench. We kind of discussed and discovered where we all land with our good old Second Amendment. Where do we even want to start? Torna, we've had a conversation in the past. Man, how do we even crack into this? Sorry, give me a sec. Torna probably has some. <laughs> I feel like Torna, Torna has an entire like show and tell laid out in front of us tonight. <laughs> oh, really? I wish you were here. I just have like some gun parts and some different ammunition. And some magazines and and like a a blank lower receiver, which is not a firearm, but like I could turn it into one. Just and a and a forward brace and just like some random stuff that if we end up talking about it, I can maybe show and explain it to Cat at wow. least. Wow, um, as like a little visual. That's really good. Because one of the big things, I mean, if anything, one of the biggest things around Second Amendment, especially with people that are weary of it or specifically against it it's not to be insulting but like the people that are most against it quite literally know nothing about firearms Mm. and so i think education is a really important part of it and if people aren't comfortable with firearms themselves at least being able to show them parts separated i think is a good middle ground to explain what certain things are I think that's a fantastic point. I really appreciate that, especially around education. Like, I I didn't grow up around guns. My parents never had a gun in the house. You know, I've been shooting a handful of times. It it didn't mm-hmm. become a pastime that I got really into, you know, like a handful of skeet shooting outings or something like that. Um, sure. I think we shot skeet one time at camp. That was actually the first you time I fired a gun with that shotgun. Sweet. That was literally the first trigger I ever pulled. <laughs> Besides, like, an airsoft gun or whatever. Yeah, I really appreciate the the education conversation. I guess, does it spicy the water? Does it spicy the water? What the <laughs> fuck is that phrase? Oh, that so hot water? Does it, does it muddy the water right at the beginning that, you know, if I just reiterate basically my stance on Ravel and say, like, I personally will likely never own a gun myself for home defense or anything like that? Oh, I think that's a great, I mean, I think that's perfect. Why don't we go over kind of what your thoughts are so people can understand where you're coming from when we have this discussion and I'm sure further discussions. And then Kat, if you want to chime in about where you're at with second, I mean, mm-hmm. I think you've said in the past you're kind of different and then I can chime in. Yeah. Sure. That so good. Yeah. my friends, Josh and Emily and I, we got really deep on Ravel in the episode called disarming the gunslinging savior and that was a little that was a little tongue-in-cheek because we talk about john wayne and how like the the western mythos of like the lone ranger cowboy with the the six shooters on his hips have 
With a big iron on Right, like kind of created, I don't know, in my opinion, that has created kind of a mythos around guns and around like the people who wield them. And typically, it's easy to think about that, uh, that kind of mythological figure of John Wayne as like the 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 lone ranger savior right who like rides in and like solves the problems that the sheriffs can't solve and he's always solving it with the gun and in my opinion like informed my by my christian faith i believe like that killing is so reprehensible to my moral outlook of the world that i'm not willing to kill even in self defense and if a gun is designed to like like you could argue that guns successfully injure people, slow people down, maim them in a way. But like I see a gun and I see like a tool specifically designed to kill. So my, my personal stance is that I won't own one because I, I think killing is wrong, even in self-defense because like informed by my Christian faith, I would say that like Jesus did not defend himself. He, in fact, he disarmed Peter when Peter tried to defend him with a sword and like, almost cut a dude's head off. And instead Jesus turns around and says like, no, this is not how we do things as people of God. Like we take the nonviolent action, even being willing to like die on a cross to take the violence out of circulation and accept it in a way and not fight back. So that's kind of like my personal stance where things get hairy, I think, or like where they get particularly confusing to someone hearing that stance is when I go and say that I am mostly okay with modern expressions of the second amendment. And I don't want to like legislate my personal opinions or morality around guns into and enforce like an entire nation to follow what I personally think is the best attitude around guns. So I don't know. I guess first of all, Kat, what do you like? Do you do you have any response for me or any thoughts or questions about what I just laid out? Well, my first thought is like a gun isn't only like yes, it's a it's a tool that's efficient if you need to kill something, sure. but it's not just a tool to kill human beings. Agreed. Yeah. Right? And on Ravel, we talk a ton about so, hunting. We talk a, like, we talk yeah. about target practice and the sport around it. Yeah. And it, it, in the case My, of sport, for me, it's like, again, it's just not a hobby that really stuck with me. Like, I, I've skied, sure. I've shot skied a couple times and I was like, yeah, I get it. But, you know, I'll spend my time doing other things. So. Sure. My other thought is. I can understand you. You're basically saying, like, if you were under attack, you wouldn't want to fight back with lethal lethal force. But would you feel compelled to defend someone that you loved with lethal force if you needed to? That is, or with that's fa- the question. Face with the option right there. That's the crux of yeah. it. And again, we do dissect this on Ravel. So I'd love if people go over to the other Highline show, Ravel, and listen to it. But that that is a conversation that my wife and I have, and like we've had in depth, and we we've both come to a mutual place where you know we we were both convicted of this that we're both you know in a very real sense you know i can say as much as i want to with my words and with my head in a very safe environment that i'm willing to like Mm -hmm. lay down my life or willing to die to not you know defend with lethal force 
but that, that I mean, like my limbic system could completely take over in the moment and I might like just right. choke a dude out <laughs> yeah. and just like never look back, you know? Um, right. Which is, is totally valid. It's, it's something that she and I have talked about as a family and we, um, I mean, like we're just going to continue to discern and navigate, especially with kids. Like, can a kid, can a child really have a concept of like, we're a nonviolent family. Like we practice pacifism or whatever. Like that's not, you know, that's not helpful for a nine year old being threatened. It's a difficult conversation and we know we have to get there. I actually in, in conjunction with speaking against guns so hard and ravel, I've been talking to some people and I'm actually looking at joining a local Brazilian jujitsu spot and actually training in that form of like de-escalating self-defense. So. Hmm. Cool. So that's that's kind of where my head's at. If I had to face somebody that was unskilled and had a gun mm-hmm. or someone that was skilled in BJJ, I would take the gun. I would not want to face someone that was like good at <laughs> Totally, dude. Totally. <laughs> he would they would they would hurt me. <laughs> because it's all about like inflicting pain. <laughs> it's about inflicting pain and leveraging everything in your favor get yeah. your opponent to the ground even like oh man there was a fantastic so then, go ahead yeah please go ahead uh, oh so then what's like the what i mean what's the difference between using a technique that involves your hands and legs and whatever else you utilize in jujitsu versus a more efficient yeah. technology i don't see a difference but i'd like to hear innings well, okay, so for me, I'm the untrained guy with a gun, which I think is very dangerous. And of course I get get, get training, but I, I don't see people die in jujitsu dojos, right? Like the point is to like de-escalate a conflict or end a conflict and not end it by lethal force either way. There is a difference there. And so when you're talking about defending yourself, I think... There can be a distinction mm-hmm. there. You're right. right. But the Second Amendment is not just self-defense. It's far beyond that. Agreed. S- Second Amendment is, you know, self-defense is just part of that. And there is a certain element of um, jujitsu and whatnot where, I mean, certain people, I mean, even Jocko Willink, like macho yep. Navy SEAL, huge man crush on that dude, like ruthless, brutal. Man, but like when he talks about de-escalation and jujitsu, he's like, if you're in a situation like you get your opponent to the ground and you run away. He's like, you're not like it is to get out of a situation and as far away from danger as you can. So even someone that is, I would say, fairly pro-violence is like the goal in any situation is de-escalation. And that's a good option. Pro-violence by that, you mean just like. As a as a tool, yeah, like he's not opposed to using right. violence. Yeah, so I think this is important. I agree. Important That's the main that. distinction in my mind is like I don't intend to kill someone yeah. if I'm going to like get them into a grapple. And this is a good conversation to we can dive into it right now, or maybe we can save it for a little bit later. But you know, you had mentioned I think in the Ravel podcast something about like shooting someone in the leg to slow them down, and mm-hmm. you know with with using firearms as a as a means of self-defense 
there's a reason why you need to have the mindset and be willing to use and aim at the largest target available. Which is the torso. That is right? torso. Exactly. You know, probably one of the worst things you could possibly try to do is shoot someone in a limb or an arm. You know, I've seen, I'm not trying to throw anything into this conversation that's, you know, specifically hot right now, but the recent case with the stabbing and the shooting, mm. um, a lot of people online right now have been like, that police officer should have shot the knife out of her hand. What? <laughs> what? And that's insane. This is what, then this is what a lot of people think of how things should be handled. He would have handled. shot the girl that her hand was in front of. Exactly. And like, so you what? have to, this is part of the education is trying to teach and understand ballistics and trajectory and why people use certain bullets. So I've got two bullets here that I actually wanted to show. So Kat, I've got this nine millimeter. It's like 127 grain, nine millimeter bullet. It's a full metal jacket and the actual bullet inside of the, the casing is solid chunk of metal. Mm. And this has, I mean, nine mil doesn't have a ton of penetrating power to begin with, but like if you were to shoot something with this, it would probably go through, it would definitely go through a person, an animal, something like that. And then you are at risk of hurting somebody or destroying something beyond your target. And that's mm. part of understanding firearms and using them smartly is to know your target and what is beyond it. Um, so you need to be weary, uh, um, aware of that at all times. So that's why, like I carry, when I conceal carry or, or my defense round in, in my firearm, for anyone wondering, I do, I've started to conceal carry and have been, you know, training and practicing to be responsible with that. I use a hollow point, which if you can see, it's, it's hollow. And the way that this works is when it impacts these hollow areas start to fold outward and it mushrooms and it becomes bigger. Um, and then one of, one of the, one of the things about that is it does cause more damage internally. The thing is, is it has low penetrance. So in all lab testing and whatnot, mimicking a human body, if this was to make it through somebody, there's, it, it would almost never even get through someone else's layer of like first layer of clothing. And that's really important if you're in a situation, especially as like a police officer, where you might have to use your firearm and there are people around, um, or in the case of this uh, most recent thing, you know, if you tried to shoot someone in the leg or the hand or the arm, um, it would go through and then through the next thing and potentially even the next thing. Mm. Um, so you need to be really, I mean, you have to be aware of that. And that's what makes that argument so difficult. Um, I would say it's, really irresponsible to try to do anything like that. So part of being a gun owner and, and willing to use it for self-defense is to, to know what your target should be and being willing to do mm -hmm. that. And that is, you know, aim at someone's torso and, hmm. and be able to do that. So I guess the most succinct way for me to say it is I, I don't see myself getting in a mindset where I'm willing to do that, which is why I think... Right firearms and that is a perfectly good reason not to have yeah. a firearm like whereas you have to you have to right. think about these things and i've thought about it for whereas a long time, something right? like bjj is something where like you can explicitly aim to exploit like like cer certain leverage on certain limbs to yes inflict pain but in the ultimate mm -hmm. 
you know, the ultimate end is getting away and both parties are alive by the end of it. Right. Right. So. Oh, that's fun, Torna. I, I'm making a list of everything you're showing Kat so that we can make sure we put it like on the Instagram stories at some point or out on Twitter or something. Cause I, I want to see oh, pictures yeah. of yeah. these things. So we got to make sure we do a For photo sure. shoot or something. So I guess that's my personal take on firearms. Torna, I really appreciate your, even just like, I'm imagining the spread you have, have out on the table right now. And I'm like, okay, so he's he, like, you're willing to actually explain what's happening and why each piece is used mm-hmm. for what it is. As far as Second Amendment goes from, like, a legal standpoint, this is the next place I wanted to take it. If we're done with, like, I don't know, the personal takes on guns. Mm -hmm. I feel, admittedly, like, under-informed on most things. And I think this is something that you can highlight very well, Torna, is, like, you... Yeah, and and I want to, real quick, before we get into this, and let me me just talk about kind of personally where I'm at as far as like getting into what is second amendment culture and becoming so pro second Mm -hmm. amendment. This is something that you probably know that's like, this isn't something that I was really concerned about in the past. Right. Right. Um, No one in my family ever had a gun. You know, my brother was a Marine, but that never really translated until I was older. Shot some shotguns here and there, but it was never like a, I did some paintball and airsoft and whatnot, but I, I wasn't really part of gun culture or interested in it. And really it's only been in recent years where I've kind of become passionate about it. And now in the last year, I've been really trying to study history of second amendment and where, it, where its roots lie and what it means to be an armed civilian. Um, and then that ties into law. What is illegal? What is legal? I mean, part of being a gun owner is knowing like it's overwhelming and sometimes you, it's hard to know like okay well if I buy this gun part I can go buy it at the store but then if I put it on my gun I'm now a felon wow yeah totally unless I pay $200 to the ATF <laughs> right <clears throat> okay so you, you've got to navigate this and there's a lot of discussion among second amendment to push the limits and kind of open discussions and try to inform people that, you know, some of these laws and regulation don't make sense and it's infringing upon people's rights. And it's also, you know, if you're just ill-informed or or don't know what's going on, like you could accidentally become a felon with stuff you can just buy at the store because you put it on the wrong gun. We're not talking about like, you know drilling your gun and turning it into a fully automatic rifle like this is just common you know this is this forward brace that i have it's like a brace that goes on the front of your gun it's like a 15 dollar part but if i put this on my gun or one of my guns i'm a felon now but i could put it on my hunting rifle over there Mm. it wouldn't be a a felony Hmm. so you've got to navigate all this so i've just become really interested in Mm. it and so I'm no expert and I won't pretend to be an expert, but I can send you guys in the direction of some really solid Second Amendment guys or try and explain stuff the best I can. So what are you, what are you thinking? Also, this is, this is when it comes to the Second Amendment, this is really hits home. I saw a tweet just earlier and it was like, hmm, 
I'm way too conservative for my libertarian friends and I'm way too libertarian for my conservative friends. <laughs> and that's how I feel sometimes, especially with like Second Amendment, because I would say I'm much more libertarian than conservative. But when it comes to Second Amendment, I'm like way more mm. conservative. Um, how would you define those two camps? In the context of the Second Amendment. question. Yeah, I'm a lot more, and maybe it is more of a libertarian perspective. Like, I am very open to, like, pretty much no regulation on firearms and things like that. Um, The more and more I've looked into it and see the people that are trying to (laughs) educate and foster responsible ownership of firearms, you know, their arguments for certain things that are illegal now for civilians that probably shouldn't be. Um, so I'm definitely for a lot less regulation mm-hmm. or at least getting rid of some. And, you know, it's a slow process because it's a cultural thing. So a lot of the the people that I admire in this community, you know, through education and whatnot, they're like, this isn't going to happen tomorrow. But if in 10 years from now, we can, you know, be able to buy a, just an example, a suppressor without a tax stamp and all of this regulation, that would be a huge win. We can talk about suppressors because I bought one. And it's a whole deal of how to get one. And I don't have it yet. So we should talk about that in a bit. But continue, Henning. How far in your mind does, like, I guess personal ownership of weapons go? Like, is the semi-automatic versus automatic distinction useful? Is, like, a self-defense or home defense versus, like, wartime weapon a useful distinction? I would say no, and I'm going to dive... This is actually, if it's okay, I want to kind of dive into this just one little chunk at a time. So I think one of the big arguments of, or a hindrance to Second Amendment is trying to make some sort of distinguish of, in quote, wartime weapon versus a defense Mm -hmm. weapon. I think it's a disingenuous argument, especially from individual liberty standpoint, um, because, like... All throughout history and now, like, a shotgun is a wartime weapon. Mm. A brutal wartime weapon. People say, like, oh, use a shotgun instead of yada yada. Like, I would much rather, if I had to, and I'm, this is one thing that I think people get a little confused with. Like, the, the real Second Amendment guys, like, they are not violent people. They do not want to use violence. And most of them will talk about de-escalation, things like that. Like, no one wants to have to use their gun. But believe me, you do not want to see or use a shotgun on somebody. But for some reason, everyone's okay with having a shotgun. Mm. Like, it's a brutal, brutal weapon. That's a wartime weapon. Blow a hole in you. Yeah, pistols are wartime weapon. <clears throat> Knives are wartime weapons. Shovels are wartime mm. weapons. Like, war is brutal. Well, and in my mind, there's kind of no... And I guess I haven't really given my like my take yet. Yeah. I'm not particularly passion passionate about this mm-hmm. like issue or topic. Um, but I recognize that the Second Amendment is was given to us right after free, free speech, and I think it's important. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the idea that we can like regulate like prevent bad behavior by regulating the tools people are allowed to use to like inflict or act on that bad behavior. I think that's kind of, I don't think that's a very efficient way to like deter crime. Mm -hmm. Right. 
like to your point about the suppressor like th- you've had to jump through hoops to purchase this thing legally mm-hmm. presumably because there's a concern that you could like commit a crime with it and not be heard or it makes it easier for for a criminal to somehow like commit crime with that device so they want to make purchasing these things more difficult to like deter that or to ensure that like they're only the right people get it rather than the wrong people yeah could but there's be. like a black market for this stuff yeah, you know you can and, build like, a suppressor yeah so out, of, like, out of a oil filter <clears throat> So I guess I'm not being terribly articulate, but I think like making it more difficult for like law abiding people to pursue this hobby. I don't see how that right deters and, criminals and from this criminal is, behavior. That's true. But this is a really important distinction. I don't believe that the Second Amendment is for hobby. Like people are like hobbyists say they want to like own a fully automatic weapon, yada, 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 like. That's cool, but that's not the Second Amendment. Like, the Second Amendment is to bear arms to defend against threats, foreign and domestic. Like, that's what the Second Amendment is. And sport is something else. I don't know what that is necessarily, but I don't think that that's Second Amendment. And I don't think hunting is Okay, that's challenging, though, because that was basically, like, explicitly what the NRA was founded on, was improving, like, sportsmanship Uh, and marksmanship. Well, the NRA is not a good organization. Oh, say more, please. Say more about about that. I want to know more about what you think about the NRA. They just, they, they don't care about Second Amendment. They're willing to give up liberties for people. What does that mean? Wait, are there there specifics? Like, like they're willing to back legislation that would hinder certain parts to be put on a gun or things like that. And I think I'll make concessions. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, you know, I don't want to have this conversation be between, you know, party lines, but it is very interesting. The, the democratic party is a very, is very clever. They're good at what they do when they are not in office. They are constantly talking about, gun control and pushing it and then you get something like a bump stock ban that Trump implemented because they apply so much pressure that they make the Republicans put forth gun control but when they're in office like right now no Biden's going to be trying to do a lot of executive order on gun control and things like that but they're not yeah, really but his executive re- orders are like we were yeah, talking about a little before. Bit goofy. there's no like teeth to them but they don't really talk about it that much when they're in control and it's kind of a brilliant thing, right? Like, it's, just make your opponents. Well, yeah. Like, do it for you. Politically, it's not it's, a winning it's issue. Not. It, it hasn't been. Even across um, party lines, And you see lines, that with, like, not. AR ban of 94 and things like <clears throat> that. Assault weapon ban that... There's, like, consistent data to mm-hmm. demonstrate that, like, every time, like, our political discourse, like, brings up mm-hmm. the gun control topic, gun sales right. increase. Like, well, it's true. literally, like the two correlate the joke the joke is that obama was the best sales gun salesman Mm. of like our time right Um, but and that's all just stupid but more yeah political but more about the nra you don't like the nra torna no i've I've, and i haven't been in i like i said i've not really i know like a lot of like the hunting communities into the nra and i've come into it late enough and kind of latched on to 
certain companies and figures that I think really encompass what the Second Amendment is. And the NRA, from all I can tell, are just kind of like, what's the word for? They're like shills. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Kat, do you have any NRA takes? I'm curious. Not really. I mean, they're an incredibly like well connected and powerful lobbying yeah. group. But, right. You know, they're they're in the middle of. But they're like not lobbying for the rights of the people. That's the big thing. It's like they're lobbying for special interest and political leaders and you know yada yada yada. I'm just not interested in that. It seems like they're an entity that's so big that yeah. Now they're right. they're kind of in that world that's kind of like the dirty underbelly of right politics right. and there there's also a controversy that you guys are both probably aware of that's been going on for like over a year plus now of essentially like misallocation yeah, of, of like funds charity funds of and... yeah right. to happen a lot yeah okay <laughs> yeah right okay on the so, on the nra dirty then, stuff. a quick aside and yeah i guess First of all, if it if it lands correctly, if you'd permit me to almost apologize, Torna. Sure. I, like a ton, I have a ton of notes about the NRA and how dissatisfied I am about the NRA because I have always put Second Amendment proponents together with NRA members or NRA supporters. Mm. And mm-hmm. I mean, like most of my notes are out the window now because, quite honestly, I thought you were going to be kind of an NRA fan. And like, sincerely, man, like I want to apologize for (laughs) being so undereducated that I would lump you into that group. So my first question is what are, what are organizations or companies that actually represent what you think the second amendment is if you are also dissatisfied with the NRA? Um, right now I've been really happy with a company called Spiritus. I bought some equipment from them. That's my chest rig over there um, is from them. I bought some holsters for magazines from them. Um, they they produce plate carriers for armor, body armor, um, for civilian use and mm. military use. Um, I really like them. They're pretty true to what they believe, Second Amendment-wise. And I think the number one resource, and this is where I get a lot of my inspiration from, and they have free training videos and great products, is a company called T-Rex Arms. Um, That is very funny. (laughs) I love that. They make great equipment. Um, They're really involved in the community. He's, you know, they're the guys that do all of the, they do great live strings on gun laws, gun regulation. Um, They talk. They do great history segments they've got a great series on you know second amendment they've got a whole podcast just on books to read about second amendment um and they they are i think maybe not leading the way but at least the head of the pack um as far as really promoting it and some of the techniques that companies use i think speaks volumes so they they sell for example in quote high capacity magazines so my nine millimeter handgun has a magazine that holds 17 Mm -hmm. rounds in the state of California, a civilian cannot have a magazine that holds more than 10, but police officers can. T-Rex Farms will not sell any piece of equipment to military or police if a civilian in that state cannot own it. Whoa. Mm. I like that. That's very consistent. So police officer will con- contact them and be like, hey, I want to get magazines from you. And be like, oh, you're from California. Sorry. A civilian can't own this, so we won't sell it to mm. you. Mm. I-, I think there's so a lot kind of, of a, is honor it, in that. Do you consider that a 
It seems like they're really living yeah. up to the Do you consider that yeah. a right. principle yeah. of mm. almost like just like leveling the playing field almost? Maybe that's the wrong term for it, but. Uh, no, I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, he's always really clear about it. They're a, they're classified as a gun like uh, manufacturer. They produce um, holsters and belts and slings. So they're not actually mm. creating firearms, but that gives them the ability to own grenade launchers, fully automatic machine guns. And so he's always doing great educational videos, highlighting them and showing how they work and um, things like that. But he's like, it's really stupid that I can own this because I paid the government a bunch of money. Yeah. And then also paid a bunch of money to buy it. Okay. And you can't have it. Yeah. Like, so he, he's really fair about it. Uh, I think, you know, he's really honest about, you know, one of the big problems is companies would much rather profit than preserve what mm-hmm. is the second amendment. And, there's some companies out there that are that are really doing that. There's a couple firearm companies. I don't remember which ones they are. They won't. They'll do the same thing with, you know, only selling what is available to both armed forces mm. and civilians. Um, so there, there are so, some good groups out there. I feel like we might be dancing around it. Would you be able to succinctly say what you believe the Second Amendment is and what the modern day preconceptions of it? are okay so i would say the second amendment is as i mentioned earlier just as oh sorry i just scared me scary (laughs) sounds um just as basic and simple as the right to bear arms um right um arms is an interesting definition specifically to defend yourself your loved ones your country from threats domestic and otherwise like or foreign Mm -hmm. and domestic right like I think that's what it encompasses, and that's all that it really encompasses. You say all that it really encompasses, but that sounds like a pretty broad definition. But you were making a distinction between that kind of defense and sport. Yeah, I mean, sport's cool, and I guess, you know, I don't think the Second Amendment is about owning guns, I guess. Okay, so you're leaning on... So Ah, if I may, I just have, I have the text of the amendment up. I will read it briefly. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security Mm -hmm. of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So you're leaning on mostly being necessary to the security of a free state. I agree with that. Yes. Because the, 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 um, protect against all threats, foreign and domestic, that's part of. Is that an oath of office or is that something that you like literally sign when you join, it might join be, the military? But that, that's what I think the second amendment but that's where is that language for. comes from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think that part of the second amendment is kind of taking on that oath or whatnot. If you are going to practice your sure. second amendment, right? Like I think that's part of taking on the responsibility of what is right, the, the security amendment. of the free state. So yes, often exactly. I hear second amendment linked to like, what what sounds to me like a very libertarian fear of like the the government turning tyrannical very quickly and now that like the citizenry mm-hmm. has to defend themselves against the uh right. the domestic army do you think i mean like i know there are a ton of like warfare tactics that we don't need to like spiral down into but like do you yeah. think it's really possible for a citizen like for the american citizens who own guns today like if it happened on mm-hmm. May twentieth, twenty twenty one, the government is all of a sudden like 
Biden's the dictator now. If you have a problem with it, we're going to mm-hmm. like come round you up. Do you think it's possible for the American citizens that own guns literally today to defend themselves against like the biggest superpower army standing military that the world has ever seen? Yeah, I, I think 100%. You have a better shot than if you're not true. armed. It's That's true. fair. Being right. armed is a huge part of that. And I think that there's, I, again, that is a common argument against it. Like, oh, you think that you can fight the government and they're just going to bomb you. I think it's a disingenuous argument. I'm not saying that you're saying. I'm not trying to mock you by using that voice. I apologize for doing that. I didn't feel That's mocked. not fair. You're good. Um, okay. Um, That's a common argument. And I think it's disingenuous. One I feel bad for people that fear the military that badly that they think that the military would just openly without question start bombing <laughs> like their literal their own storm civilians. troopers that are just like whatever you say Darth yeah, Vader. I think right. there would be if 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 something was to lean that way I think there would be a huge portion I think there are plenty of weak men that would do that. But that's always the challenge in any like corrupt state yeah, that tries to right. sort of Yeah turn to tyranny mm. like mm-hmm. the first step is getting the military on board and they usually have to like bribe and then there's usually like a military coup that totally. shortly follows that. exactly and so, that's part of it yeah that's um, not like an easy task hello me and so, people. but i think history yeah. <laughs> history has shown and even recent history has shown <clears throat> that it's more than possible especially i mean technology has advanced a lot especially in the last even 20 years but like if you look at especially jungle warfare in the past. True, yeah. Really underestimating what people are capable of against a far superior, far in quote superior force. Um, Again, I think it's not fair to assume that such drastic measures would necessarily be taken. But yeah, I I truly believe that it's something that is Mm. well within the possibility. And so I hear that I like, especially like even in our own origin story, right? Like the revolutionary war was won Mm. with guerrilla warfare at the helm of you know, George Washington, like pulling those out instead of recognizing modern military, uh, not rules, but, um, I don't know, expectations. Well, and they were civilians fighting the most powerful military in the world at that point in time. So So the question is though, Torna, because like, you know, I brought it up in the past, but I think you've said to me off mic that like, uh, citizens should own should be able to lawfully purchase like frag grenades like explosives of that nature but even then so mm-hmm. like uh, where does that end in your opinion like should i be able to so buy like is, an f-16 again, this is, uh probably yes yeah, if why you, not if you know how to fly it and you have you know Five hundred million dollars, and then you know, yeah, ten million dollars a rocket, and like, a place to store it, and a place to store it, and you have the ability to keep. Runway. Like, there's also you know, the big thing with that is like, okay, yeah, I definitely think people should be able to have like flashbangs mm. and probably mm. tear gas, things like that. There, there's probably practical barriers, right? Yeah, but like, also, I mean, you have to be realistic. You like, even need regulations. It's, it's Again, you have to be, again, it all comes with responsibility. Like, there's a barrier to entry, just cost-wise, even for the military, right? right? So if it was legal tomorrow, people are like, oh, everyone's going to get a fully automatic 
machine gun, like that gun would probably be, I mean, you can get fully automatic guns legally now. It's just tons of hoops and they're expensive. The thing about not having so many hoops is they're going to be expensive. So like a machine gun now from the eighties is like 30 to $40,000. If they got rid of all the hoops you have to jump through, a modern version of that would probably be like 25,000. Not to mention how expensive mm-hmm. ammo is. And so like the barrier to entry is really high. So there's that's something to consider. And then when you start getting into things that I'm still thinking about as far as like grenades and whatnot, like how do you as a personal personally responsible person like how do you store those? How do you like do you have a safe place to put them? Like if something goes wrong, are you gonna blow up your neighborhood? And in like, that case you and people are going right. to listen to this and be like, this dude's crazy. But these are important questions to have when you're talking about like a truly like unregulated but second the, amendment, in, I guess. But in the even hypothetical scenarios you're speaking, like you're not going to defend yeah. your home from a, like a burglary with a grenade. So like you're, you are speaking, no, and that's, you're speaking and that's what in people, the true sense of second amendment, which is literally like of, tyrannical and government. And that's something that I'm going to make a very clear distinction of. Like, like owning... Fully automatic weapons, things like, like, one, fully automatic weapons. I've never got to shoot one. Hopefully someday I will. But, like, they're not, like, a lot of people that are really pro-Second Amendment are, like, if it changed tomorrow, like, I, I probably wouldn't buy one because they're, like, not particularly useful, but they should be legal. Huh. So there's an argument to be made there. But, like, you know, it, it really is, like, specifically to be prepared and ready to defend mm. your nation. Mm-hmm. So... Like, Leads me to my second major question about the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. I want to take the Fire. first clause, and I want to ask you about okay. the background you know of the Founding Fathers' intention for a well-regulated militia instead mm-hmm. of a very expensive standing army. Correct. First of all, standing armies, maybe in today's climate or the geopolitical mm-hmm. sense is kind of uh, essential at some point, but history has shown that standing armies have caused problems when you, especially you look at Rome and like Caesar, like the standing army would get bored. And Literally so bored. have to like totally. take them out for a walk. Like, oh, these random, this random tribe of people right. attacked us, in quote, like, Let's take the army out for a spin and then, you know, Mm. some plundering happened and some murder and, you know, so standing armies in history have definitely not been a good idea. Which was explicitly what the founding Um, fathers were afraid of. Right, exactly. And so the founding fathers drew a lot of what went into the Second Amendment from a long line of history um, backing as far as like the Romans, you know, there was the legions, uh, legionnaires, legions, because a legion originally in Rome started with just kind of like a regulated militia. Like there were laws in place in different city states where like as a man, you were required to own depending on where you were financially, like a certain set of like weapons, Mm -hmm. armors, things like that. Um, You then see that later, like 1100s, a lot of medieval um, cities had requirements like able-bodied men had to have a sword, armor, helmet. And then if you had a son, you had to provide him with it, which no pun intended, it was a double-edged sword, right? You had a trained and ready army, but it also really helped keep, like, kings and things accountable because you had a ready army that necessarily wouldn't necessarily mm. put up with that kind of stuff. 
then later on in England, like 1300s, you see requirements for men to have long bows, U bows specifically, and have to train with it. They required by law that on Sundays you train with your bow. Um, and then, you know, later on you see it pop up here and there with, again, different rankings or requirements for people to have weapons. And so this is all history and whatnot that founding fathers, I think, were really aware of. And then also were aware of the dangers of a standing army. And so I think they were very intentional with, with mm-hmm. that. And, you know, England kind of scoffed at at the colonies at that point, you know, with their militia style. They weren't really organized. They weren't training in a, in a formal sense like, um, you know, royal officers were or anything like that. But they were capable and able to use what they had. Um, I think that's part of it. That's very good. So what do you do with the argument? Most of my questions here are not me like trying to make the argument. That's why, that's why earlier I didn't feel mocked because I was literally asking the question out of curiosity. So, right. Well, I use that voice what do and you that was do, not fair. So what do you do with the <laughs> argument then that because we've abandoned the world, it's not just America, but because the mm-hmm. world has abandoned the thought of a mm-hmm. militia and then it's it it feels necessary to have like a department of defense and like a standing army on active duty around the clock what do, what do you do with the argument of of people who look at the second amendment and say like well we don't have a militia anymore so do the citizens need the guns like apart from the defense against tyrannical yeah. government and uh domestic threat you know, now that we have a sure. standing army, we don't need a militia. Like, does the is the Second Amendment even doing what it was originally supposed to do? Uh, I think it does because it's still calling to action. I guess the same philosophy. So you can say that it's outdated because we have a standing army, but there's a lot of countries that have standing armies that are now in horrible oh, yeah, shape. Absolutely. I mean, the classic examples, like look at Venezuela, but like. Or throughout history, you, I mean, unarmed citizens are subject to who's armed. Very you know, true. there's arguments to be made about, I mean, going back as far as obviously World War II and Nazi Germany, like what would have happened if the Jewish people were armed? Mm. Yeah. Like truly, like most, most, I think, uh, honest scholars would say that it would have, they would have been overwhelmed clearly, but like. I think it would have brought to attention quicker mm-hmm. what was going on and it would have kind of rang the alarm bells. It's a know, fair point. Right? Like kind of giving people those options and you see, I mean you just you see it. You see the disarming of people being a an early tactic for mm-hmm. control. And maybe it's not happening now, but it seems to be the historical trend. Now, talking about like you know, foreign invasion, just talking geopolitically, like the United States is kind of an incredible chunk of land, just geopolitically, as far as how it's situated. It's not a particularly easy country to mm-hmm. invade, which We're is lucky in that regard. Yes. And there's yeah. a lot of other things that are to our, our benefit, but it's not to say that it couldn't happen. So, you know, it's take it, you know, how you want to interpret that, but and I think just to some degree, like there is value in maintaining something based on principle, mm-hmm. like perhaps 
you know, the, the idea of having like a private militia is irrelevant in our modern context. Mm-hmm. But the principal idea of empowering private citizens to protect themselves and to sort of, to some degree, be on equal footing in terms of that ability to protect themselves and defend themselves with the powers that be, like, I think there's some value in in maintaining that purely just for the sake of the principle itself. Yeah. The United States is also an incredibly massive country, and so it would be very hard to even just defend it from like a, a logistic standpoint. Probably more from the argument of a domestic threat, not a foreign, right? Because you'd be defending ports and things like that. But it's a very large country, frankly, and a lot of people spread out. And so having armed citizens all across the country seems to uphold what the second amendment was for originally well and our our system of federalism too like helps Mm -hmm. prevent against that kind of tyranny as well right right? so i think the second amendment is another piece of that framework yep that ultimately is designed to empower individuals and protect individual liberty correct after the first amendment yeah and i think it's an important piece and again whether it has like the the sort of literal interpretation like practical purpose of a militia perhaps not in mm-hmm. our, again in our modern context but it i i think as a matter of principle it's an important piece to that overall framework that mm-hmm. ensures our autonomy and liberty as individuals right. and you know with this whole second amendment argument and attempt to preserve it like I think the true Second Amendment advocates are walking delicate ground, um, trying to really promote de-escalation, promote First Amendment first, but respect what the Second Amendment is for and try to slowly culturally take back what a Second Amendment is. Because even the word like militia now has a lot of negative connotation with it, kind of has the alt-right attached to it. And so most Second Amendment people just kind of avoid militia. They're like, we're going to figure out how to get away from that. Like, we're not part of that. This is not, Second Amendment is not alt-right. Second Amendment amendment isn't far left. Like, authoritarian groups on either side, like, that is not Second Amendment. It is not for your authoritarian use, right? It's to preserve liberties for everyone. Um, So that's an important distinction, too, to be made with, I think, the, Mm -hmm. the real... Second Amendment. Yeah, so if the if the um, definition defenders. of militia in the 1700s meant to them essentially a people source, like a grassroots type mm-hmm. of, you know, right. collection of human beings with guns, muskets, swords, whatever, like just well armed. Um right. do you what do you think then of of arguments that lean on maybe a different interpretation of what well regulated meant to the founding fathers versus us like that's what i'm curious about now is like what do you think they meant by well regulated yeah, you know and I, i'm thinking that that just means we need people that don't just like there are a lot of guns in this country and i don't think a lot of people mm-hmm. know how to use them so they could have said um, a well trained so a, a well regulated militia doesn't mean that half the country has a gun it means that 
maybe a small percentage of people in every state actually have guns and train with them. I'm talking, I'm talking civilian, not military are shooting and becoming proficient and are able to use their firearms safely and Hmm. effectively. This just sparked an idea that is going to kind of derail things. That's fine. (laughs) That's okay. But there seems to be, and I'm like not an expert on this subject, obviously, but, um, there seems to be like inconclusive evidence for d- d- surrounding whether or not stricter gun laws prevent crime, mm-hmm. gun crime. You, it seems like you can kind of you can cherry pick data to either say sure. yes it does correlate or no it doesn't. And in my mind, like imposing more laws and restrictions that are only apply to people who are obeying laws mm-hmm. does little. I think it, just logically that I, I don't see yes. how that could impose. And I and think there f- are other things we could be doing mm-hmm. like specifically targeting smuggling of weapons, sure, which is happening in great numbers at our Southern border right now um, with the influx of, of, you know, migrants that we're seeing. There was, um, just a, a report last week of a huge the uh, border patrol discovered like a huge supply of I want to say AR-15s. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about the specific type of gun, but guns that were just abandoned. Clearly, someone was smuggling them, and they realized the border patrol were nearby, and they like sure. abandoned them and left. So, like that sort of thing is happening in shocking numbers. And has been and is increasing right now. And like to me, like to your point about there being lots of guns in this country and not a lot of people who know how to use them, like our laws target the people who know how to use them and don't seem to be doing a very good job of preventing the influx of guns that yes. aren't tracked. Yes. That goes directly into the hands of criminals yes. who do or do not know how to use them and certainly have like, you know, sort of bad intentions mm-hmm. for the use of that gun. So I think this was going to be, this is going to have to be, I think, another conversation where we specifically talk about maybe gun regulation and law and restriction and the trajectory in the state and then pros, cons, where it actually goes. Because as far as like stats go on that, there's, you know, plenty of data on gun violence and plenty of data that's just not shown to people of you know, justified gun use for self-defense and whatnot. But I would talking about laws hindering the people that know how to use guns. This is why I have all of these different like parts out. So maybe before we wrap up real quick, I can just talk about how infringing on the second amendment can a lot of times end up really hurting the law abiding people. So in the corner over here next to, or next to me, but across from cat, I have my AR pistol. It has a short barrel, it's a ten and a half inch barrel, and it has a arm brace instead of a stock. So if a rifle has a barrel that is less than sixteen inches long. Let me say this again. So if if a gun has a barrel that is less than sixteen inches long and it has a stock, it is considered a short barrel rifle. And 
for some reason, you have to do a bunch of paperwork and give the government $200 to own it. However, with a arm brace on it, it is then classified as a pistol, and you don't need any paperwork. However, I can go buy a stock at the store for 30 to $100, depending on what you get, and it takes about three seconds to switch the brace to the stock, but if I do that, I am now a felon, unless I pay the government $200. I also have a brace or a, a grip that would go on the front of a gun. I can put it on my hunting rifle and nothing will happen. But then if I put it on my AR pistol, it is now a felony unless I give the government $200. And explain your ordeal with the silencer. Yes. And so right now for my hunting rifle, I am buying a suppressor or a silencer. For some reason, it is regulated where you have to pay a $200 tax stamp to buy a suppressor. They do... Well, they took photos of my, the front of my face, side of my face. They took fingerprint scans of all 10 of my fingers, as well as full hand scans, just finger scans and palm scans. Paid my $200 tax stamp. I had to buy the suppressor plus the tax stamp all at once. It was $1,300. The gun store then, even though the suppressor is in stock, has to hold it until my paperwork is processed. And it will take anywhere from six to the record in Montana right now is 23 months. I'm at seven months. So hopefully in like two months, I'll be able to get it. And part of that is like an issue with Hollywood. And I don't know if the ATF or whatever thinks that you put a silencer on a gun and then you can go up on a building and snipe people and no one will know where you're at. Like most guns, when you put a suppressor on it, it's still above safe levels of like noise. Like you still need ear protection or you're going to hurt your ears. The other thing is, like, with my hunting rifle, I use subsonic ammo. If I put a suppressor on my hunting rifle, it reduces the noise to a level where I don't need to wear ear protection, which I think in the backcountry is really important. I don't have to have ear protection in while I'm shooting. I'm a lot more aware of my surroundings. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge thing. The other thing is, I've got almost a 50 caliber rifle for my hunting rifle. It kicks a wallop. With a suppressor, the way it releases gas, it reduces my recoil by like 70%. Wow. I'm now then able to be out hunting without ear protection, which is safer for me. And I'm a lot more accurate, which means I'm going to have a more humane and accurate shot to drop an animal. But for some reason, it's regulated out the wazoo because of some misconception about what a suppressor is and what it does. Right. And so the reason why I'm going through this hassle is I want to own one and be able to show it to people and, and have them see, oh, it's really useful, it's super cool, and kind of start to hopefully change that cultural thinking about it um, or misconceptions around it. And then hopefully more people will be like, you know what, it'd be really cool to maybe consider using this to hunt uh, or whatever their, their use is for it. And then slowly, maybe in the next, I mean, some people say if, if just a suppressor could be, uh, in quote, unregulated in 10 years, that would be a huge win. It seems like a like a it's a web of regulation and I wonder how much of it really serves its stated purpose. And one last thing as as far as like punishing law abiding citizens. Right now the the short or it's not short barrel rifle, the 
AR pistol that I own has the the brace on it. Mm-hmm. Data suggests that there's between 30 and 40 million of those in circulation on weapons right now. There has been a push for a while to say that if you own a AR pistol with a brace, which was cleared by the ATF as being legal, it's it's too similar to a short barrel rifle, so now you need a tax stamp. So if that was to be implemented instantly, anyone that owns that is now a felon. Hmm. Yeah, it's wild. There's something weird about that. Yeah, for sure. And and it's not new law being written, it's just how the ATF get, gets to its privilege they have to interpret the law. So if we're going to talk regulation and whatnot, we really need to talk about, I think the ATF should probably just be abolished. Um, and then if we want to talk about restrictions, it needs to go through a legal route and, and actually be written into law instead of weird privilege, instead of a bureaucracy. privileges to yeah interpret right. interpret law. I, I've well, rambled a lot. Henning, well, along yeah, with yeah. what you're proposing, <laughs> we should also like, you want to talk about special fucking interests. Let's talk about the NRA some more, shall we? Um, yeah, uh, yep. I'm just not that into special interests. I, I hope everyone has like realized that by now. If you've yeah. been listening. None of us really like special yeah. interests. No, none of us do. Um, I'd be I'd also be interested in continuing and, this conversation yeah. along the lines of what well, I just I'd 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 be interested to hear your thoughts about what I think might be a good faith concerns about like homicide and suicide particularly suicide because like mm-hmm. statistically in America Torna you and I as like 18 to 40 year old white dudes like we're most likely to die by suicide or or like accidental yeah, exactly. injury from firearms like yeah and I think it's an important conversation to have especially with the concern around rifles and things like that where mm, pretty much all the data suggests that actually handguns are right the culprit so interesting conversation to have, hopefully a good conversation, a friendly conversation around like why is there such a uh, concern about rifles, specifically when pistols are a big yeah. problem, in quotes, um, when it comes to. But I also think that like that question of mental health is separate and that's like, that's a root that the tool that someone uses to inflict harm on themselves or others is simply a tool and mm-hmm. like. There, that that isn't the root cause of why yeah. they're inflicting harm on themselves or others. True. And I think, like, unfortunately, every time there's a mass shooting, our public discourse immediately goes to gun control. Mm. Yeah. And there's no conversation about the mental health care in this country. Right. And, like, I lived in San Francisco. That's where I moved to Montana from. Mm-hmm. It's an epidemic. Yeah, yeah, it's really in bad that right now. city. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, and I went home for Easter. I mean, even in San Jose, in the South Bay, where I'm from, there are tent cities and encampments of homeless people, many of whom have mm-hmm. severe mental illness or drug addiction, and and these people are just like pff, nobody gives a shit about yeah. them. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, it's kind of horrifying, and like. And there, and then there are people who have severe mental illness who aren't homeless, but you know, I don't know, they're, they're tinkering, they're kind of somewhere on the edge. Um, and it's, it's just the mental health issue is not addressed. I think it's because it's, it's, I guess it's overwhelming and, and our bureaucrats don't know how to address it. Um, but if, 
if we're really concerned about suicide and we're really concerned about mass shootings or we're really concerned about that kind of violence, like regulating the tools is not going to one, it's not going to stop criminals. Criminals are going to find a criminal way to commit their crime, right? Mm -hmm. Like they'll find a way to do that. And, and people who are mentally ill and suffering from that, um, they'll find another tool to harm themselves or other people. It Mm -hmm. just doesn't seem to get to the root cause. Yeah. And then, well, speaking of being in in harm's way, um, we didn't even get to talk about other parts of second amendment from a civilian standpoint, which is talking more about what is included in arms. And that would be like bulletproof vests, ballistic plates, helmets, night vision. This is all stuff that's like really in the mind of second amendment people. That's like, no civilians should be able to have in quote military grade stuff. And right now there's like a weird, I think anyone that has like bulletproof vest, like people look at them like you're nuts, but like, it's a it's a piece of protection mm-hmm. for your body. Like if you're not going to get a gun but you believe that like gun violence is a really 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 horrible thing and I'm not trying to fear people into wanting to buy body armor but like it protects your body from harm, right? Like that should be part of understanding mm-hmm. like what the mm-hmm. second amendment is and I don't have any armor but I plan on getting some. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to foster this. Like I'm trying to get into it and, and I th- you have to be a part of it to promote it, I think. And so I'm mm-hmm. trying to, I'm trying to become a part of it. I can appreciate that. You totally you have a healthy approach. Kat, I love your point about mental health. I think while, while it could be a separate discussion, I think they are linked in a way. And I guess I would lean on maybe an, possibly an overly simplistic argument of like yes the tools are going to change but especially in the case of a handgun like handgun and suicide are as torna said are are pretty mm-hmm. pretty well linked and like yes you can you know you can go full on juliet and like stab yourself in the heart or whatever but there is there's a corner of my brain that would still say like the the tool that the gun is is like is specifically built around killing and inflicting the most harm possible which we've laid out like you aim for the torso you don't aim for the kneecap if you're trying to defend your home or something so like mm-hmm. the like the end goal of a particularly what seems like a robust take of the second amendment is like actual defense and not just sport and not just hunting like the end goal in that defense like it must from what I can tell, it must come down to death. So, like, yes, there are other tools, but... It doesn't have to come down to death, because this is another part that I didn't get to dive into. And this is my next step into becoming, like, a responsible concealed carry or concealed carrier, right? Um, I'm going to take some medical classes, because anyone you talk to from a second amendment standpoint that again, I think actually values the second amendment and is being genuine. If you use your handgun in self-defense, given there's not other threats around, like you should carry a tourniquet with you, uh, a tourniquet with you. And like, you should find a way to, I like that. I like that a lot. I really appreciate that. I think that's part of it too. Like if you're going to carry a gun, true, you should carry medical with you as well. There's a responsibility Uh that comes with it. And then, and then part of that too is, I mean, this is just broader. Like, 
trauma comes in many forms, not just like the chances of you cruising around and coming across someone that was shot and having to like use a chest seal or a tourniquet is like not really mm. probably going to happen. But like trauma happens in car accidents and car accidents yeah. happen all the time. Like, so yeah, having those, I think whatnot, in, right. in a very cold, I don't know, uh, maybe like cold objective view of guns, like out, outside of an owner who like puts the thought into that. I still, I still think the tool of a gun is mm-hmm. like to, it's it, it's like we're removing as many barriers as possible to death as possible. Even by suicide, they, you, you hear people who have attempted suicide by like hanging or uh, jumping or something. And like mm-hmm. parts of them will like, they'll feel the fear when they're on the bridge or something, man, this is getting really explicit and like, right. but like they'll fear the, they'll feel the fear and back down and actually like have a moment where they're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? But like a gun offers, no such mm-hmm. option. Potentially, but I also think part of that is... You have to pull the trigger, If so. you actually right. understand what guns are and how they work and what they do and what they're capable of, I think that you understand and have... Not a fear. I don't think you want to have a... You shouldn't have a fear of guns, but you should understand that. And I think the consequences of pointing a gun at something, someone else or yourself, if you are in aware of that, there is, there is a... A moment kind of, of that pause. moment of there is some lucid thought like that. that goes well, into and, that but again uh, pairing with mental health like some people literally just can't have that thought process mm-hmm. right but so so then what is the argument like to make a dent in suicides we are going to impose a web of convoluted and expensive <laughs> laws that largely just this make is totally, it difficult for right. no, a select right. group totally of people. You, have you know, this like, is like absolutely like that doesn't seem like an efficient way to, have, do, yeah, to prevent to understand that. That also, I do not. Um, I recognize that <laughs> gets into what are what is yeah. the legitimacy or the constitutional implications of of red flag laws and things like that. Yeah. Um, that again, I think should be a regulation conversation. I want to pose a question for you, Henning, just to think about, and I'm going to think about this as well. Hopefully Kat will. Um, you had mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you and Dixie have had serious conversations. I very much respect that of not wanting to use guns um, in self-defense even. The question I've been thinking about since you mentioned that, in a situation where, and I realize that talking in what ifs can be problematic or it can make people question in a situation where you were in threat or could be at risk. Would you call the police? I love that question. And then, but I want to go another further step further. If you're willing to call the police and they respond and then shoot whoever was threatening you, where does that lie in the thinking of being nonviolent? Who's responsible? Absolutely. A fair question. Yeah. And I I will definitely think about that. I think that deserves a long conversation about what the police ought to be doing. I think like some uh, some modern conversations about what police are called to respond to is worth having. But mm-hmm. gut reaction, absolutely, I call the police, and absolutely, like it would mm-hmm. be really easy for me to live through a moment where the police shoot the intruder, and I feel like I don't have the blood on my hands. Absolutely. Sure. 
but I'd love to think about that more. I like that. Cool. No, closing my head, this my head, my head is topic. spinning with a lot <laughs> of whiskey and a lot. Of <laughs> I've been rambling a lot. I could talk about this a lot. No. Oh man, this is so good. Thanks for this, Torna. This was very good. I hope everyone listening had fun, whether you like guns or not. Or I think there's um, this is a behemoth of a topic, and we could probably have many more episodes. And I think it's going to have to be. We're gonna have to have yeah, a conversation about should. regulation. I think police are tied into that. Yeah, might as well get into military and foreign intervention. Why not? <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, what's the best gun for? Defending against a grizzly bear in the backcountry. Um, That's uh, also practical for backpacking, so isn't incredibly heavy. So there's different philosophy on using guns as a means of defense against bears specifically. I'm going to be slightly long-winded on this. You have the like guide mentality where like you would carry, like I've got this 4570 lever action, where you've got a big rifle that's out. You know there's bears around. You'd have time to respond. You're going to knock a bear down, no problem. Then you get into, okay, you're going to carry a firearm to defend yourself against a bear if you come across it and it charges you. Like you said, if you want something reasonably light that you can carry on your torso or at your hip, it's going to have to be a handgun. There are revolvers that definitely, under perfect um, scenarios or circumstances, would drop a bear in one shot. They're generally large caliber, bulky. You've got to draw it and point it at a bear. There are different, smaller 10 millimeter, people say, are, are, is a good round. It's similar to 9 mil in that you can have quite a few rounds in a magazine. There's a lot of evidence saying that 9 millimeter with a solid lead bullet, which I have, is capable of, of dropping a bear. The thing is, is a large caliber um, revolver that might drop a bear really easily in the time that a bear might see you and charge you, which doesn't always happen, right? You spook a bear and it just charges you out of nowhere. But if that was the scenario, with a large caliber revolver, you might be able to get one shot off accurately, whereas with a 9 mil, I could probably get seven or eight shots off in that time just because it's a smaller gun, it's easier to use, it's more intuitive, it's easier to train with. So I'm not going to give any advice on whether or not you should carry a gun for bears. Um, There's a lot of different philosophy out there. Some folks just say that like, I think to They're say They're so I, thick it's it's yeah, hard to I really think, penetrate. I them. think to say that that's stupid and worthless is uh disingenuous and I think people that are like well bear spray's useless is disingenuous and then there are a lot of people that don't carry anything and they 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 swear they've had plenty of run-ins with bears that it's more about a uh a mentality thing and being calm your energy. Yeah. Sure. I kind of I like bear spray as a first line of defense especially if you're on a standoff um with a bear i know my brother carries bear spray and a handgun and he's specifically trained mm-hmm. holding his handgun and bear spray at the same time so he could basically judge a, a bluff and bear spray a bear and and he's trained enough that if it wasn't a bluff he could probably shoot the bear but you've got to be the thing is like with a handgun for something like this like you have to be willing to take a class and train otherwise your gun there's no way you're going to be able to pull a gun and shoot a bear that's charging you. Right. Yeah. You've got to be well versed. Yeah. Alternatively, that's cat, so that's, that's alternatively, cat. you train BJJ. Bear and spray. Just get a wicked arm lock on that fucker. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna kick this bear's ass. <laughs> yeah. Why are you running, little bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see it now. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu that bear's ass. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. So really, the only solution is to not go oh, outside yeah. because it's dangerous outside. Yeah. Don't go into the woods because totally. they're scary animals. Stay in your house. <laughs> that can't be the takeaway. But yes, thank you. Oh, That's my word, friends. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for this. Oh, I was boy. surprised. I learned a lot, and I appreciate you both very much. Well, Cheers, my friend. You as well. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty. Welcome to the Into Podcast, where we seek to insight, insight, pursuing truth for the sake of wonder. Meet my parents. That's, That's us. us. I'm Pops. I'm the cotton candy queen. My wife, Katie. Hello. My best friend, Kevin. Am I the best friend or the wife? And me, Alex. Hey. Join us to have an honest and encouraging conversation about whatever it is that we're into. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.